channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Bear Sage Institute colleague, Ed Kless. On today's show, folks, imagine the audience in their underwear, not. We're going to be talking about public speaking skills because we've gotten some requests to, to broach this topic, and we've never really talked about it before, Ed, which is kind of surprising. Yeah, it's it was kind of a lot of what we do. You and I both do a tremendous amount of public speaking, so I appreciate our audience for asking us to share our thoughts on this. But yeah, it's not and not any reason that we wouldn't have come up with a show about this on our own. I don't think so. It, it's great to get feedback from listeners to to drive the show forward. Yeah, it really is. I don't know if that's because we're kind of like fish in water because we do it all the time, so we don't we don't think about it and we just don't think it would be interesting, to, but it is a great topic. And I, I was obsessed with it um, when I started doing this a lot more in the, in the mid nineties, early nineties, I just became absolutely obsessed with it. So, but I'm, I'm interested in, in your history and, and who influenced you, what influenced you and what speakers you like. So um, let's, uh, let's dive in. Where do you want to go? Yeah, well, I think this was a, an outgrowth of of something when when you were talking about your brother passing away and that he influenced you and and what followed you around for a number of months, giving you notes every after every performance, after every every session that you did, and then that that's what really built up your public speaking. And I think that's the first lesson: is have somebody who you can trust to get get to get good criticism from. <laughs> a good mentor does help. But Ed, I started thinking about that in preparation for this show, and and I'm going to ask you the same question. But I was I was trying to remember what was my absolute first public talk. Now I'm not talking about a play in high school or elementary school. I'm talking about where you stood up and you were the you know the center of attention at a public talk and it was in junior high and it was for a class. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget, I forget the class, but it, but you had to pick a topic and I picked business and it was based on this book. And I forget the name of the book, but it had this re- really long title, how to succeed in, in business by being an SOB or something. My dad had it. How to, su- had how to succeed in business without really trying? No, no. no it oh, was okay. something about being an SOB because it had SOB oh, okay. in the title. I had this long, you know, acronym for for the book uh, title. But anyway, I remember this talk because first off, my dad came to watch me. So what's that tell you? That, that's that been going on <laughs> for a long time. He's still coming to watch you. So, yeah. yeah, I know. I know. Uh, and, and, and I remember I got downgraded like a half a grade because can you believe this? I spelt 
business wrong. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I switched the U and the I or whatever, but I, I spelt business wrong and she just nailed me on that. But I, I remember doing that talk and after it was over going, that was fun. And, uh, and it just, I, I don't, I'm not going to say it melted away fear, but it, it really kind of got me, you know, sensitive to, Hey, I, I would kind of like to do this more. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I cannot specifically remember anything like that, mostly because I did do so much theater that mm-hmm. those are more of the memories that I have. And sure. you know, same, same as you, you get, we, 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 the joke is you get bit by the theater bug, right? And right. You, know, you, you, you just find you get an adrenaline rush out of it and then that's exactly what happened to me so the first like real play that I was in that was not just school related I played Kurt in the sound of music mm-hmm. true story and um that that really just was was it for me I was just ever since then I just wanted to be up on stage and was that when you were in high school or college? No, I was in grammar school. Oh, I mean, you were I was in grammar school. In okay. I want to say sixth grade. I want to say sixth grade, maybe seventh grade. I'd have okay. to work the math out, but I think sixth or seventh grade. Yep. Yep. You know, I never did take drama. My brother did, and maybe that's why he was really good at what he did. But um, I guess because I think one thing we both agree on is public speaking is is performance art. It's a performance. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Every, every, every session that I do, I go in exactly like I did a, a particular performance of a play. I mean, you, you have to go in, you get in. It, it, yes, you're playing you, but it's still a character. There's, there's still things that you have to be aware of about what's going on. So it is absolutely a performance. And I think that that's some of the things that I, I want to share with the audience and talk about that. You, if you view it as a performance and and an experience that you are creating an experience for the audience that's about to witness what you have to offer. I think that's a good place to start. Right. And you know, the joke about public speaking is everybody's scared to death of it. I mean, it's supposedly the number one fear. And I love the, the Jerry Seinfeld crack that that means if you're delivering the eulogy at the funeral, you rather be the guy in the casket. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> great, line. A great line. Uh, but, but uh, what about the nervousness? What about the, you know, the sweaty hands and the butterflies in the stomachs and, you know, all about that people just are just terrified? How, how did you either adapt to that or acclimate to that or overcome it? Or I don't think you, you ever, fu- yeah, I don't think you ever fully overcome it. You know, Lawrence Olivier is said, said to have vomited backstage at every play that he was ever in. Yep. Right. And now I don't know if that's apocryphal probably has some element of truth in it. But I, you know, I, I do get more used to it. Like there are certain times when I'm not even thinking about it, but I do, I do get an energy to it. I guess it's, it's transforming that the nervousness into focus. Right. 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 And I, I, that's what I try to do. Right. I think it was Helen Hayes who said that, yeah, it's fine to have butterflies in your stomach. In fact, it's normal. You want that adrenaline rush because it's going to keep you on your toes and at the peak of your game, but you want those butterflies to fly in formation. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a great way to put it as only Helen Hayes would probably do so. <laughs> but I will say this, I want to lead out of the gate with this. And this is something that I, I did learn by going to Toastmasters, which we can talk a little bit about. I don't know if you, I don't think you ever did that, but I, I never did. Yeah. But I remember I, I, when you started that, cause we, I was in Texas once and you had just given a talk to them. 
Yes, yes, and I really enjoyed uh, Toastmasters, but w- w- and I will say this: the only way to get better at speaking in public is to speak in public. <laughs> I mean, you're, yeah. you're 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 going to give us some books, Ron, and we can talk. You can talk about taking classes on it in high school or college. But the only way to get better at it is to actually do it. You 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 can learn little tips, even listening to the show. You might pick up a thing here here or there, but the only way that you're going to actually get it into practice is to do it and do yep. it on a regular basis. Yep. You know, when I started out, I, anybody that would give me a microphone and a soapbox, I was there. I, I took every opportunity to, to speak everywhere. Um, I even volunteered for, you know, teach economics, junior achievement, like in high school. And um, I taught for a while at the Heald Business College. I taught accounting just to be able to stand up in front of a group. And, and, and I, I enjoy teaching too, mm-hmm. but, but you still, you're speaking and you have to prepare and, you know, you're talking to a group of, you know, we tend to talk to self-selected audiences and they, they're our colleagues for the most part. So you can't, you, you, you got to know your stuff. Right. Right. And I, I think one of the things that, that I did early in my career is I, I worked for an accounting firm and we were doing soft, software implementations and I was doing a lot of education on the pro, on products. And, you know, and sometimes that starts off and that's in some cases an audience of one, right, yep, where you just sure. one on one with one other person. But you but you still have to know your stuff. You still have to know what to say. You still have to, to, to think on your feet and be focused. And I can, I do have this distinct memory of, of teaching someone, I don't know, the accounts payable module of something. And quite frankly, I was told about it the night before, and I was probably 15 minutes ahead of the person I was teaching. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, okay, I think we need a break now. And then I would go, oh, this is what we got to do next. <laughs> you know. That's great. So let me ask you this. What? What do you enjoy the most about it? Wow. I, what I enjoy the most is what my mentor, Howard Hansen, says is, is lighting fuses. Yeah. Right? It's, so, sometimes we'll have those light bulb moments, and you and I can talk about that, where we, we, we have people, you can see light bulbs going off, right? We see people, yeah. okay, they're, get, they're getting it, so, something's starting to happen. They're, they're, they're starting to be involved. They start using our language. The leading indicators that we always talk about is they start using the language we're talking about. But for me, the, the, the biggest thing is the, the longer-term payoff, where I will have people come up to me sometimes 10 years later and say, you said something 10 years ago that completely changed the way that my, the trajectory of my career and right. what I did. Right. So to, for me, it's the longer term payout. Yes, the lights going off or uh, going on for people are great. And I enjoy that aspect of it. But for me, it's more about the longer term, about getting that feedback that sometimes happens a couple days later, a couple of months later, or even a decade later. Yeah, I, I would say that, too. I mean, outside of the initial rush, you know, the initial high of just speaking and getting adulation and all of that. I mean, I think there's some ego involved uh, with anybody who talks on a regular basis, but it, it is that lighting fires in the minds of men, as I think Thomas Paine said, that is really, really satisfying, especially because the content that you and I deliver, and all of this, of course, is contextual. It's one thing sure. to deliver a, you know, a wedding toast uh, as, as the best man versus teach the subscription economy or whatever. Um, 
it, it's obviously context driven, but, but yeah, that, that changing people's minds and, and I think more importantly, even as their behavior and you only get that if you're lucky enough to have follow up with those people in some way. Right. Right. And sometimes by happenstance where they, they surf into another session that you give years later and, and tell you about it or, or you get an email or something like that. That does happen too. Sure. Sure. But, and, and so who, who was your early mentor teacher that you kind of looked up to and kind of pulled you along a little bit? Well, yeah, so many in this area. I mean, cer- certainly the professor that I had in college is his name is Ruiz Wartendike. Ruiz R U I S Ruiz Wartendike, and I think he still is at Pace University in their 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 drama uh, department. I think he's downtown now, but he was up in in the College of White Plains where I was at the time. And he, he definitely influenced me just from a staging perspective. And in fact, we'll talk a little bit more about that. I've got something I want to share with regard to one of the things that I do as a, as a, as a practice to get me, get me ready. We'll, we'll talk about that in a later segment, but he was definitely one. Um, I think, and we, we just did a show on him and I think I mentioned that Tom Peters was an influence on me, mm-hmm. right? Uh, see, seeing him do his thing was pretty amazing guy by the name of Wayne Harding, who was at great Plains was another, another influence on me. And, and so this is one of the things that I, I will, will suggest is steal from these people. Right. 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 Steal, steal, but my, my, my sanction is steal from the best, but develop your own style, make it your own, integrate it, take, take ideas from two different people and smash them together. You know, the whole, uh, what is it? Matt Ridley ideas, having sex kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause if you read and or and I'm sure Toastmasters preaches this too, but you know, we're all unique individuals and yeah, the audience is seen smooth and they seem suave and funny and all that, but, but you know what? They haven't seen you get up there and be you. Um, and, right. and that authenticity just kind of bleeds through and that, that just forms a bond all by itself with the audience. So yeah, you can admire, like, I want to, want to ask you who, what, what public speakers today that you, that you admire, that you really like look forward to listening to. And, um, I don't know about your list, but my list is pretty short. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair enough. But, but let's take our first break. Want to remind you that you can get a hold of either one of us by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. The website out there, the soul of enterprise, where there's show notes to previous shows, as well as the, previews for upcoming shows out there on our calendar page. But right now, a word from our sponsor. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have, but have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. 
The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Imagine the audience in their underwear. (laughs) You know, where did that, that was, I don't know who started that. That's perhaps the stupidest advice I think you could possibly give. I don't know about you, Ron, but I don't want to see most of the people who are in our audiences in their underwear. Just no offense no. to our audiences. No, yeah, no, not, not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't even know where that began, but it's, I think it's kind of a dumb thing. I guess it's to try to get you to lower the nerves or something, but whatever. Yep. Yep. Um, well, I, I do want to talk. This is going to get really, I guess, theater wonkish. Good. <laughs> Just Good. Ex- yeah. excuse me for that. But I, so I would mention my professor, Ruiz Wartendike, who actually probably doctor. I don't know if he was doctor now, but anyway, he, but one of the, his influences who then became my influence is a guy by the name of Bertolt Brecht. Oh yeah, sure. Right? Bertolt Brecht, really interesting dude. Uh, he, for, from Weimar, Germany, and then bizarrely enough, went back to East Germany after the war, even after having lived in the United States. Right, right. right? But his, his mo- the most famous play or actually musical that Bertolt Brecht was involved in is a thing called the Three Penny Opera. Mm-hmm. Right? And that, that has had a, a long run at being one of the, the original uh, avant-garde pieces of theater. The, and the, the, well, curiously, the song Mack the Knife is, is from that. Of, of, mm. uh, but but the, the Bobby Darren version, you know, the up-tempo one that we hear, right. Sinatra and all this, that's, that's not it at all. That's like- <laughs> if you actually listen, yeah, if you actually listen to the lyrics, it's pretty, pretty weird. Right. right? Um, it's about a you know this this guy Mac the Knife who basically is a serial killer is really what it's about. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the shark bite has its teeth, babe, and he shows those pearly whites. Just a jackknife has old Mac Heath, and he keeps it out of sight. Mm. So, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> um, anyways, yeah. No, it's really bizarre. Learn something every day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, so Bertolt Brecht was the author of that that piece. And he had a very interesting thing that he he called uh, epic theater. That was his his uh, his term for it. But it was really j- just kind of this this interesting. It's a modernist way of thinking about things. And what one of the things that he said was is that he never wanted to have the the, the audience get completely and totally enraptured from a, from a, from a, from an emotional standpoint. Um, into the piece like he wasn't he wasn't about you know messing with your emotions on an extreme basis what he wanted to do was create a level of uncomfort in you so that you would leave the theater thinking differently does this mm-hmm. sound familiar Ron? yes it is yep yep <laughs> absolutely right? 
Yep. So it, it, and so he did this with, with what he called the defamiliarization effect and the distancing effect. And one, one of the things that he did as part of his, uh, his theater troupe when he was directing them is that he would, it, he would suggest that, that the players go out I- into the audience before that the house would open up and sit in a different seat and imagine, put themselves in the position of watching their performance from that particular seat. Right. Right. And that's actually one of the things that I always try to do. If I'm, if I'm speaking, I try to get there, at, you know, a couple hours before if I can, or even the night before if I'm flying in and I always want to see the room. Yep. Right. That's and I want to get, and I want to get in there and I, I, I actually do go to different places in the room and just make some mental notes that, okay, the person who is sitting here, what, what are they going to see from me? The person who's sitting you know, in the front, in the back, and what is it that I can do to make sure that I connect at a, at a certain point in every performance, in every session where, I, where, at le- where I'm reaching the, the people in those particular seats? Right. Right. And so that's something that's just a mental exercise that has really helped me over the years. And it's very Brechtian, right, to 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 because what you're doing is you're, you're trying to put yourself as a third person. Right. Uh, and imagine yourself watching yourself. So it's a little little wacky, but um, it's been extraordinarily helpful to me because especially with movement and things like that, I've got it, got that in the back of my mind that, Oh, okay, here's the time where I'm going to reach the person who's sitting in the middle row of the middle in the middle seat. Sure. You know? Yeah. So anyway, probably what, very wonky. People are like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> and, and let me ask you this, because this is a, this is a piece of advice that comes through in almost any book you read on public speaking. They'll talk about, you know, what do you do uh, within like 10 minutes of going on? Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the conventional wisdom scene, and I, and I think it's right. I shouldn't say conventional wisdom. I think it's wisdom. Take time for yourself where you're mm-hmm. kind of alone so you can focus, center, whatever you want to call it, but just, you know, to kind of prep for mentally to get out there. Yeah. Yeah. I try to, I try to do some, some breathing. Yep. Right. Uh, just, you know, slow my breath down, listen to my breath. Not, I wouldn't say it's meditation in any way, but I do try to, to, to slow, slow my breathing down. Just take a bunch of in, uh, inhale, exhale kind of thing, maybe for a minute or two, just, just to get, get focused on that. Um, I also, you know, if I do get in the night before, I, what I try to do while going to sleep is think about the first five minutes of being on stage. Mm-hmm. And what am I? What, what's that first five minutes going to look like? And I, I I try to replay that over and over and over again as many times as I can before I fall asleep. Right, you're trying to visual, like visualize the shot and mm-hmm. golf or whatever. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, that that yep. that, I, that is very useful. I think I also find it difficult to sleep the night before any talk. By the way, even to this day. Yeah. Yes. And uh, well. I, there's a couple things going on there, but I think part part of that, Ron, is is oftentimes you're you're sleeping in a place for the first time, and I think that there's challenging with with us as human beings. Yeah, that could be. And but even if sleeping. but even if I'm even if I'm home and delivering a talk oh, locally, really? okay. yeah, I still there's just something you know you're kind of like you've got this edge to you. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, no, there's definitely an energy. There's an energy that's happening. But what I found is I do sleep better if I if I go if I go to sleep intentionally thinking about the first five minutes. Right. 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 Because I, and maybe it's because my body's okay. Your mind is all right. You're you're gonna you got this. You got this five minutes down. Sure. Sure. You know. Or just, or just drink more, Ed. Maybe I just need to drink. Yeah, more. maybe you just drink, you drink more wine. Is it <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, you talk about influences, and of course, the, some of the influences on me have been have been books written by you know somewhat famous people, because I I, I used to think, well, gee, if you want to learn public speaking, who better to learn from than speechwriters? So I started reading presidential speechwriting books. You know, Jack Valente he wrote for uh, Lyndon Johnson and of course, Peggy Noonan wrote incredible speeches. Um, you know, for Ronald Reagan. Light. yeah, yeah. Bush, uh, yep. well, and Bush too, but uh, yeah. Reagan first. Uh, yep. and she wrote a book, Peggy Noonan wrote a book called simply speaking. It was published in 1998 and, and she, she gives three rules for a talk. She says, there's three things to keep in mind. No talk should last longer than 20 minutes. And she said, why? <laughs> because Ronald Reagan said so. But, but, and, and we violate this all the time, obviously. But, but right. here's the thing with this, and this is the point that I think is really good. She says, Gettysburg speech was about three minutes. So was the Sermon on the Mount, you know, give or take. She says, the more important the message, the less, retire, the less time required to say it. You know, the, she said, think about it. The language of love is simple because it's big. You know, mm-hmm. some of the some of the biggest news in your life is very few words. It's a boy. It's over. He's mm-hmm. dead. Right. And she says, for a speech to be immortal, it need not be interminable. And then she, <laughs> which I love. And then she said, yes, you should write out the text. Now, in early days, Ed, I used to I used to try and write out the talk, but I'd never use it. Mm. And and it wasn't an ego thing. I, I just wrote it out so I would have better recall of it. Just by right. writing it out or typing it out, uh, you, I think you have better recall. I think Rabbi Lappin tells a story when he was delivering his first speech because his father was a rabbi too, and he made him write it out. And then on the way to the speech, he said, let me see your notes. And, you know, he's driving in the car and he crinkled them up and threw them out the window. He said, I don't want you to use your notes. You know, I just had you write it out so you'd remember it better. And her third point was, she says humor is essential. Now, you know, this is kind of talking about Reagan. And he always used to start at, uh, his talks with a joke because that's how he relaxed mm-hmm. and, and formed a bond with an audience. I, I don't think we have to be stand-up comedians. And there's a lot of counter advice that, you know, hey, unless you're, you know, you've got a good one. Unless you've got a good joke or something, it's it's kind of risky to to come out with a joke. I mean, it could bomb, it could whatever. Uh, and I just I think humor is better. I think if it's spontaneous. But but what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I don't think I've ever walked into a, a speaking engagement and said, "All right, let me start with a joke." <laughs> and, and certainly not a written joke, not like, okay, you know, two guys walk into a bar, you know, no, nothing like that. I, I do believe in connection before content. Right. That I, that I do believe in, that you have to try you have to try to get some uh, kind of a, a connection before you start to deliver content with folks. And I, and I will say, I think 
and I did. I, I do think I, I saw this on on somebody doing a speech about public speaking. So I, but I can't remember the person. So I'm I'm sorry not to give it give the the person credit. But his his big thing was begin with a story, a quote, anything other than "Hi, my name is." Yeah. Right. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, you've already been introduced. But even yeah, yes, even if that you was haven't, the other thing. even yes. if you haven't, yeah, don't, yeah, or, or can you hear me? Yeah. Is this yeah. thing on? Yeah. No, they'll let you know if you can't be heard. Right. They will, they will, they will let, or, or they won't because you're so boring and it's just better for them. So right. just let it, then let it go. Right. <laughs> but, but yeah, but I, I am a big believer in starting, starting with some kind of a quote, you know, I, and I, I, you and I have presented enough to know, you probably know my four or five ones that I'm going to open with. Right. You know, if, right. Uh, right. The, so there's, there's, uh, and I think this, the same thing as you, you usually don't start with, Hey, my name is Ron Baker. <laughs> no, it's the last thing I want to talk about is me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. A, I try and start with something evocative or provocative, you know, uh, depending on the, again, it's all context driven, but if you can evoke the audience and, and get them to start thinking right out of the gate, I think that's a really good thing. You know, I know we're up against it, but we can talk about the ethos, pathos and, and logos because uh, Peggy Noonan also writes about that, and and I find it really interesting which one she emphasizes the most, and, and I think our listeners will too. But in the meantime, folks, I'd like to remind you, if you want to get a hold of Ed or myself, you can send us an email, asktsoe at verisage.com. Thank you for those who have been uh, giving the show reviews on iTunes, and we really appreciate that. We'd love you to go out there and do that, and we'll read it on the air if you write an actual comment. And now we want to hear from our sponsors. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about public speaking, and Ed, I'm on this Peggy Noonan book, Simply Speaking, and, you know, I think it was Aristotle in his book, Rhetoric, that laid out, you know, ethos, 
which is a person's character, their honesty, goodwill, and you kind of establish that rapport with the audience relatively quick. They make judgments about that right out of the gate based on a whole host of very subjective factors. There's pathos, which is arousing the passions of listeners, their emotions, like you were talking about, Breck. Uh, and then, of course, last, and they put, he put them in this order specifically, and he put last, logos, which is the marshalling of reason, your logic, right? The internal consistency of your argument or whatever, the, whatever it is you're trying to persuade the audience of. Uh, and she says the most important thing is the logic, and that, you know, that, that can fly in the face of other advice that I've heard. But, you know, like Oprah is fond of saying that if you want your audience to do something, they first must feel something. And, and Peggy's not denying the fact that you have to feel and emote and all of that. But what she's saying is you, you got to be logical. You, you, your, your argument, your position, whatever, has to stand up to scrutiny and reason and and she puts a lot of emphasis on on logical. And she she says this, and, and I love this analogy. She said, how do you know if you've done a good speech? She, she said, well, it's kind of like Coco Chanel, you know, the fashion designer. She said, when a woman walks into the room, if everybody says, wow, what a dress. She goes, I failed. She goes, what I want them to say is, oh, you look fabulous. Mm. And she said, and Peggy says, you want people to say she's very intelligent. She made some great points, interesting points. You don't want to hear him say, oh, what an interesting speech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I also find it interesting that, you know, you could some of the, I mean, obviously speech is a performance and, you know, who better to perform than actors. But think of some of the worst speeches you've heard. It's got to be at the Oscars. <laughs> With them droning on, never getting yeah, because the they're not yeah. reading somebody else's written script. You know, right? It's, right. It's, boy, it's like, well, boy, when you're on your own, you're a, you're just a bore. <laughs> yeah. And, and the cardinal rule that Ken taught me, and he thought it was number one above all. He says, do not, do not, do not pain the listener. There's no penalty that is severe enough for somebody who pains the listener. None. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And and by that he meant like be be overly repetitive and or just boring, bore or just boring. Yeah, no just passion, no enthusiasm. I mean, I think an audience wants to see that you care about your topic, right? You're you're supposedly delivering yes. the best of right. of your thinking, whether it's a TED talk or whatever. And you better care about it. And geez, if you don't care about it, then but what a painful ride that is for the audience. It'd be like if you and I were just going through the motions on this topic, but you know, I love this topic. So we're, we're excited, enthusiastic about it. And hopefully that comes right. through. But if we weren't, um, it, could there be anything worse? Well, yeah. And that's uh, un- unfortunately far too many sessions that you attend at, at certain accounting trade shows are exactly that. And it's, you know, people, even it's stuff that there's people, they're, they're so-called experts in it. You know, they're just reading their slides to you or they're, they're I don't know, they're afraid to be passionate. That's another thing that I have listed here is, you know, take a chance. Right. Take a chance. Yep. You know, when, yep. when, when, when something comes into your mind that you think might be funny and that this is different from start with a joke or whatever, right? This is, if you think it might be a little quippy or a little edgy, give it a shot, you know, sure. 
let, let your let your filter open up a little bit. And th- this takes some time. I, I certainly don't think you go in and uh, flat out be insulting to your audience all the time. Sure. Sure. Um, or, or, or say things that are completely out of context and, and risque. But if you've, if you've read it, read them for a while, if you, if you're 30 minutes into a, a 45 minute speech, you, you can probably say something that's a little, little on the edge and get away with it. Yep. Totally you know? agree. Totally agree. And, you know, since we do attend so many conferences, I can't, I can no longer sit through a bad speaker. I'll just get up and leave. Yeah. And, I just can't do it. I just think it's 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 just sinful to stand up there and it, you, know, you can tell when somebody hasn't prepared or thought about it or given it any, you know, like well, they're just calling it in. And yes, and I have no tolerance for that. And, and what what I find what I find to to be terrible is is those that are are just all onto the emotional side of things. Right. You know, and I and I've seen unfortunately far too many of these. And this is not I, I'm just I'm randomly selecting, right? Like, you know, how how when I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro that relates to your small business. Right. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they see this with a lot of coaches that do talks on the business audience, right? They'll t- always try yeah. and bring it back to, you know, their game or against uh, Notre Dame or some boring thing. And it's like, oh jeez. Uh, yeah, Lou Holtz. I, although I've seen Lou Holtz speak, Lou Holtz is a good speaker. Yeah, yeah, he's but, a good speaker. But, yeah, but yeah, they, you know, it's, it's okay. Not not everything fits into your nice, neat little paradigm about how you view the world, and especially if you've been doing it for like twenty five years and that's all you got. You know, right. Uh, right. Uh, time to move on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Couldn't agree. I, in fact, I wrote down some, it just called them Ron's rules. Um, and the first one, of course, it comes from Ken. Don't pain the listener. But but the second one, and this drives me crazy too. I, I, I'll i walk out of, uh, of a speaker who talks down to the audience. And, mm-hmm. and I think this ties back to what you said about taking a risk. We should risk talking over their heads. And, and, and I don't mean just showing off and how erudite you are and all of, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, this is what makes the great books, the great books. It, it, we go back to time and time and re- reread them because they are over our heads. Right? right. And, and I don't think you should ever condescend, talk down to the audience, you know, assume they don't know something. I mean, just, you know, talk to them like, they know what they're, they know what you're talking about. Even Ronald Reagan used to say, well, as we all know, or as you all know, and somebody challenged him on that. Well, what do you mean? They don't know. And he said, well, but I don't, I'm not going to say that. You know, I want them to think they do know, um, even if they don't. And I, I think that's another cardinal sin is just talking down to your audience. Yeah, I agree. I, I look. You and I both have pretty good vocabulary, and I'm not. I'm not going to hold back from using a, a, a word, especially if it's the right word for the situation, because I'm like, well, I got to you know tone this to an eighth grade audience or whatever. The hell with that. No. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I, I, you know, I can go online and see some reviews of my book, and people say, well, you know, this this is hard to get through, or this isn't a beach read, or whatever. But then they say, but it's worth it because it really does make you think. And, you know, and I think this is Peggy's point exactly that the logic is critical and that my third rule is you got to intimately know your material. 
And and I think that makes everything else a little bit easier. It makes the enthusiasm, obviously, because if you know the material, that means you, you, you care about it, you've studied it. And if you really, really know it, you're also not afraid of it being challenged. I mean, some of my favorite things are the Q&A session where people challenge, you know, oh, challenge us. And, and look, I, I'm sure you've had it with the number of speeches you do. Have you, you know, had your PowerPoint go down or some kind of a technical problem or, or what have you? You know, he, here's the thing. I, I'll, I'll keep going. Like, I don't need the PowerPoint. Right. <laughs> You know, and I think that's one thing that a lot of people make the mistake of is, is they're far too reliant on, well, I got to see what the next slide is for me to go on. Well, if you, if you need to do that, and then like Lappin's father, you should have been written out your speech and then have it tossed away from you and just make it work. Right. Right. And oh, and people to just read the PowerPoint. It's like, Hey, you know, you can just give me a copy and I can go home and read it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to watch you stand up there and read your slides. Oftentimes um, with better inflection than you do. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, you were, we're talking about some, some rules. Let me just th- throw out a couple that I, I jotted down. One, is, and I'm just going to tie this back into something that happened earlier. And you said this, but I want to make sure that we reiterate it. If you have the opportunity to, get introduced. Yes. Absolutely. Get introduced, right? Take that opportunity. Sometimes people are like, no, I don't want to be introduced. No, no, be introduced. And I think you said this to, to me the other day, and, and, and that is, if there's a stage, get up on it. Yep. Use it right? because it magnifies you. Right. Now, I would add to that, get up and use the stage, but don't be afraid to get off at a certain point. Correct. Absolutely. Totally agree. Right? Yep. Yep. You, you don't have to stay up there the whole time, right. but at least at the beginning, for for maybe a few minutes, you know, I, I would I would I'm sure that that Peter Block, who we've interviewed on the show, would disagree. He you know he he says you've got to within tw- uh, ten minutes or whatever of of the of speaking, you've got to have them talk to each other. Like he's mm-hmm. that, like that's 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 how big he is about that. Like it should be more about give them an idea to talk amongst themselves and report back on. I'm like oh huh. I that would be hard for me, but I have done it. But it's it's challenging. It, it is challenging because part of the thing is they're there to hear you, you know, no matter how long of a talk it is. And that mm-hmm. doesn't preclude you from doing an exercise like that or something. But I think that, you know, what, one of the things I can't stand is when speakers just like, you know, within the first three minutes. Now, I want you to stand up and stretch. And then I want oh, you to turn yeah, to the yeah, person yeah. next to you and tell them three things. But you know, yeah. oh, just I'd rather sit through a meeting. <laughs> I'd rather sit through a pre-meeting before the meeting than sit and listen to this. The soul-crushing uh, meeting about the meeting. I, and I think in some ways that is talking down to the audience. Yeah. You know, yes, you can get a crowd to do anything. You can get a mob to do anything stupid, like stand up and, you know, twi- <laughs> but it's just, what's the point? I, you know, I'm here to learn something or think different or be challenged. I, I don't want to do this. I don't care what my seatmate had for breakfast. Yeah, don't do trust falls. Do not do trust falls. Yeah. Don't. It's, yeah. <laughs> All right, lean back and let the person behind you catch you. No, I'm not doing it. I'm leaving that session immediately. I'm sorry. I'm leaving. <laughs> and and I think the reason both you and I love Q and A so much is because it is where we're challenged. Because I mean, let's face it: if if, if you don't have time for Q and A then all you've done is listen to yourself talk. And I never learn anything from that. But I just also want to say on Q&A, don't leave it to the end. 
I think you should own your ending. And I think that what's risky about doing Q&A at the very end is you leave on a really stupid question or a bad question or a boring question or something that you couldn't answer, you know, that just makes you look, I, I think you should own the ending. So try and put Q&A more towards, you know, where you have time for your ending. Because I think you yes. need to control your ending. Yes, and encourage question asking all throughout. And that that's something that I need, I uh, constantly struggle with because usually I've got so much material that I want to get through I, that I, I have to like back myself up and say, all right, let's make sure I get questions here. Right, right. The other thing that drives me crazy is when speakers point, you know, that's a cardinal sin to point at the audience. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to hand gesture and make a point, you know, close your fist or, you know, do it. You remember Bill Clinton with the thumb, you know, the thumb, yeah, right. Uh, But, but, or, or your, your, or keep your palms at the audience. You know, you can do Mm -hmm. that, but don't point. Pointing is just really rude and you don't, you don't really notice it. Until you're at, like you said, when you're sitting in that person's seat and you realize I'm pointing at this person. Right. <laughs> That's just rude. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. All right. Up against our last break, Ron, want to remind folks of the Patreon site that we have, uh, patreon.com slash TSOE. We have bonus episodes uh, up there as well as some uh, other surprises that we're releasing more and more of as time goes by. Uh, Also, the commercial-free episodes. So if you are enjoying the show but don't want to hear the commercials that take place in between breaks, you can listen to them, uh, the show uninterrupted and with our banter between commercials but right now on one of uh, one of those commercials and a word from our sponsor and my employer sage follow us on twitter at voice america trn get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice america trn Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're talking about how not to imagine the audience in their underwear. That's about the last thing you want to do. Uh, we're talking about public speaking. And I had another book that I really, really enjoyed. And this is more academic, but it's from our buddy, Mortimer Adler, 
who wrote the classic book, How to Read a Book. Mm-hmm. Well, this book is How to Speak, How to Listen. And uh, it was written in 1983. And one of the things he points out, and I just, I've always loved this, and I use this all the time, that reading and writing is a solitary endeavor, right? Some of the best books, mm-hmm. speech has been written in jail, you can read alone, all of that. And it's, easy, it, it's it, and it's easier to teach than is speaking and listening because speaking and listening is social. It, it requires another human, at least one other. And um, the other thing he points out about, uh, and he gives lots of great advice on just how to deliver a talk, what makes it effective and all of that. But it, oh, and I just used the wrong word. You, you're never asked to give a talk. You're asked to give a speech. You, you, <laughs> you can't give a talk. You can have a talk but you can't give a talk. So it's really a speech. He points that out. And then um, he said, listening like reading is an activity of the mind, not the ear or the eye. And he points out that, you know, if we lament how reading and writing is taught so poorly in schools, imagine how speaking and listening are taught. And I know we've mentioned that before, but that is a really good point. But his book, How to Speak, How to Listen, uh, is is really good. And it is a companion to his book, How, How to Read a Book, uh, which we'll talk about, I know, on a future show. But uh, I, I really did like that. Mortimer Adler is just a fascinating guy. And yeah. a, lot of, a lot of good stuff in there. Interesting. Good stuff. Yeah. Thanks, Ron. I, I've got to get, get involved in that. But yes, we do plan on doing a show on that, How to Read a Book one. That's another one that's been requested. So, Right. So, Ed, what what speakers do you admire? I have a list here. It's rather short because I didn't really think about it too much, but just, you know, off the top of your head, what speakers do you really admire? Uh, the, the, the one that always comes to my mind whenever I'm asked about this is Martin Luther King. Yeah. I, 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 I watch his, uh, his, his, this, this, the, uh, man, the, what is it? The March on Washington speech mm-hmm. every year on his, his, uh, birthday. Right. And it's it's just incre- incredibly powerful. So well done. It, it it's it's not it's not just a speech. It's it's poetic. It it has it's like a symphony. Yeah, agree. Right? He's on my it's list. A, yeah, <laughs> he is absolutely on my list. Um, Ray, Reagan, I think, was great too. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you know, I think it was Peggy Noonan's line, right? The the challenger. The, the I think she wrote that speech as yes. well. Slip slip the sorely bounds of earth right touch yep. the face of god yep uh, it, it just he, he was just incredible at delivering that and of course we've had we, we've talked about the moscow speech that is the one that that is the introduction to this show um just in terms of you know just some r- random things like i they're, they're the, the guys who announce for the mets mm-hmm. I, I i mean in addition to being a, a mets fan i just love listening to them they are incredible at doing play-by-play and telling stories and weaving uh, so yeah i learn stuff about baseball when i watch every single game which is hard because i know a lot about baseball yeah <laughs> yeah and they, they they do the same thing. They just view it as as a performance, and they're 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 just fantastic. So those those would be people that I actually look to and admire as well. Okay, well, I've got something similar on my list, and this blows people away. Why I say this, but if you really, really, really listen to them, never ums, never ahs, phenomenal communicator, John Madden. John yes. Madden was phenomenal. It, 
and, and not only was he passionate and excited, you know, as what's his face makes fun of him, you know. Yeah, Frank Caliendo. <laughs> <That> boom! <laughs> <laughs> but but just a, a great communicator. I'm just talking about rhetoric wise. Just he was just um, eloquent, actually. Uh-huh. Really yeah. was. And and uh, and another one on my list that's going to sound very strange is Don Rickles. I actually. I have a, a album of his that shut up or hello dummy. I think it's called. It's, it's from a thing he did in Vegas in one of his shows and they recorded it and they made it into an album. And I've listened to that just, just for the, for the speaking. He never ever flubs a line. And I don't think they edited this thing at all. It ran live. You could hear noise in the background, whatever it, it's flawless. And I mean, flawless even when he's just talking a mile a minute and just you know running through the audience just making fun of everybody in the front row right it's absolutely flawless his 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 diction everything i just i I, i'm spellbound by it (laughs) yeah yeah well you know you reminded me you know who's with johnny carson was was fun and he was almost more fun to listen to when he was bombing yeah yeah (laughs) You know, and here, this is a guy who did, did what? A six minute monologue every night. Yeah. For 20 plus years. And, you know, some of them were better than others. What can I tell you? Right. And and when when he would bomb, he, he just had a knack for making that, making fun of himself. Self. Yeah. Oh, bombo. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, Winston Churchill, obviously. Right. He marshaled the English language and marched it off the war. Uh, and then here's two that I've actually seen live that absolutely blew my mind. The first one was Charlton Heston. Okay. Unbelievable. Uh, just unbelievable speaker. He actually read from a book um, and it was about environmental policy and he was taken to the task. And the guy who wrote Jurassic Park, who's the Crichton, 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 Mark, Michael Crichton, uh, mm-hmm. Michael Crichton. One of his, but he read a passage from that book, Ed, and I'm not kidding. It was spelled. You could have heard a pin drop in that room. It was it was unbelievably good. And then probably the best speaker that I've ever seen. And this is going to sound like it's completely from left field to you. You're going to go. I know you know him, but it was unbelievable. And it was at the same evening I saw Charlton Heston, and he was better than Charlton Heston. Okay, Alan Keyes. Really? Alan Keyes blew my mind. He, he, I, I don't know if he got into the zone. It was just unbelievable how good. I wish, I wish iPhones would have existed in those days. And I got a copy of this because it was magical. It was, yeah. It was unbelievable. So that, yeah. that's my list. Okay. And I'm, the last one I'm going to throw in there is Richard Epstein. <laughs> okay. He's phenomenal. Yeah, like, and he's he's like wind up. I don't think he breathes, and I don't think I've ever heard him say ah or um. And I've listened to hours of him talking, <laughs> and he talks in paragraphs. Yes, <laughs> that, that that are comp- like, if, boy, I wish I could have wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. can't even write that good. No, great stuff. Great stuff. <laughs> so right. super. All right, Ed. What's what's up for next week? Um, next week, Ron, we are going to talk about the George Gilder article or speech that he gave at the Vatican, The Soul of Silicon. Oh, wow. Something I try and reread every year. So this is really good timing. 
Uh, it's steep, folks, but it's incredible. I think it's one of the best piece of writing Gilder ever did. So that sounds great, Ed. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business, and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, check out our show notes at soulofenterprise.com. We'll post show notes on our rules today and some of the books that we talked about. Also, you can contact Ed or myself at asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.